What's up, NBA fans? The season has officially come to an end. We're recording this a few days after uh, Game 5, where the Denver Nuggets closed out the Miami Heat 4-1 in Denver in what was a very, very tough-fought physical Game 5. Jokic was in foul trouble for the first half. Uh, Jimmy Butler was cold for basically 90% of that game and then came alive and some big shots, a big shot from KCP uh, from three, um, just some heroic basketball being played from both sides. But the, the Denver Nuggets came away with that win and thus are the NBA champions. And the Denver Nuggets parade was today and there was no shortage of quotes of just lack of so, so soberness on the mics from coach Mike Malone, Aaron Gordon, KCP, Jokic, Jamal Murray, all these guys were having the time of their lives out there in downtown Denver. And man, what, what, what a scene, what a win there. And there was also no shortage of fantastic quotes from the finals MVP Jokic on the mic in that game five press conference. Uh, Sean, I'm sure you digested it all as well. You watched it. What are your reactions to it? How are you feeling about the Denver Nuggets winning the NBA title? Oh, man, Alan. I mean, I think this is exactly how we saw this series going at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. We had our doubts because it's like, oh, Miami's done this over and over again. We keep doubting them. But I feel like this time they finally ran into an opponent where they didn't underestimate them and they never took it for mm -hmm. granted. And after the Heat won that game two in Denver... I think that that was just kind of honestly that last spark Denver needed to be like, oh, crap, like we got to go and win this thing. And then they never looked mm -hmm. back and it just seemed like they were in the driver's seat this whole time. And you just see Jokic after every game, just like we're just getting the job done. And then, yeah, there's so many timeless quotes. I loved every single one of them. I think I think for me and maybe for a lot of other people, it really made me respect him a whole lot more. Like there's maybe mm -hmm. some people that were pissed off by it or think that took it the wrong way. But I, I think it made him just like so much more relatable, um, so much more likable. And I, I just thought it was just plain funny, man. Like it's just a totally different sense of humor than we're used to. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of when Giannis won the NBA title and he had his plethora of quotes <laughs> in his press conference. It's kind of the same, but different. It's like apples to oranges here a little bit. Um, Giannis is so humble, I think, and it's just so is innocence. You know, he just feels like you're talking almost to like a giddy child. Yeah. <laughs> and Jokic feels the same way, but in a different in a different way because he's so blunt about what he's saying. And I mean, here here are just a few that happened during that press conference. <laughs> and one of them was like he was being asked of like how he felt how he felt about winning the NBA title and if he had any feelings coming out about it now or possibly some of those feelings will come out during the parade. And he is just so dumbfounded by this question <laughs> because he doesn't realize that there's a parade in a few days. A parade? <laughs> His quote is, when is the parade? And he turns to the, them Nuggets PR. They say it's on Thursday. <laughs> he pays, just goes, no. no, I need to go home. No. <laughs> Yeah, and then the other one is Lisa Salters going up to Jokic literally maybe 10 minutes after the, the confetti comes down and Jamal Murray's in tears. Mike Malone is being thrown <laughs> up by Jokic's brothers. Lisa Salters goes up to Jokic and asks him how he's feeling, and he said he's feeling good. The job is done. 
We can go home now. <laughs> Dude just wants to go home. Yeah, and probably my favorite here is again in that press conference, he he says something along the lines of this being his job, and then he goes into the quote is nobody likes their job, or maybe they do. If they do, they're just lying. <laughs> and that could just be some LinkedIn influencers post or something <laughs> talking about you know, come hustle culture or just like, this is just such a perfect quote and just embodies who, who Jokic is. So I, I mean, I had a lot of fun listening Man. to that. Stuff. Yeah. And I think that last quote, I want to dissect that a little bit with you, Alan, if, if you're willing, because I, I feel sure. like there's actually a lot to unpack there because like we always see NBA players as like, wow, like they get to play the best sport in the world for their job mm-hmm. and they get paid multiple millions of dollars ungodly amounts of money to do it you know they get to live superstar lifestyles for Nikola Jokic it's just like me or you going to work Alan like he's <laughs> like oh, I'm, I'll do my job but like I'm, I'm excited to go home and just live my life you know like this yeah. is for him basketball isn't his life uh, which is crazy that you can be that good at basketball without it being your life you know be the best player in the world, honestly. And so try to step into the feet, the large feet of a Nikola Jokic Allen. And, and does this make sense to you? Do you feel like if you were in his position, you could see things in the same way that me and you see everyday life for uh, an American human being? I think, I think I could see where he's coming from. You know, I think playing basketball, hanging out with, the guys that you like, you know, in the locker room. I think that 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 is fun. I think what isn't fun is the traveling, uh, the frequency of playing the games, the answering the press conferences, the being on the shows, the interviews. Like, I think that does come to a point to feel like that's a job. That's not really the hobby, the thing that you loved and why you fell in love with basketball. So I think in some ways it does feel like a a job to him, but I also, I also say um, if he's not putting a lot of thought into it, like he kind of comes off as he does. I think so much of that is kudos to sort of the Denver Nuggets coaching um, and staff over there, because it seems like they sort of got lucky and that Jokic is sort of in just taking orders mode and he's just taking orders from the coaching staff and they're doing a lot to sort of set him up for success where he doesn't have to actually put a lot of thought into it. Rather, he is just taking taking these orders and it's leading to success. So <laughs> I, I, I see I, 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 I see I see some truth into it. And I do think like a lot of guys um, do sort of spark it, dramatize it a little bit. And, and I mean, they kind of are incentivized to right? with all the marketing around these guys, sponsorships and storytelling that happens. Like, you know, I think that, that, that they do dramatize it and they do want these quotes to sort of go viral, but I don't think Jokic really cares so much about that. And he just kind of tells it how he feels it, which is <laughs> sort of a breath, a fresh, a breath of fresh air. Uh, especially when it's coming from a guy who won a title. Yeah. I think if this is coming from a guy that's <laughs> consistently losing games, we wouldn't be having a conversation Very this way. Very true, yeah. The, the winning <laughs> definitely makes it that much better of a quote. 
otherwise yeah, yeah we'd be like yeah. okay this guy doesn't deserve a spot in the league you know <laughs> yeah exactly yep exactly so i think he's saying this stuff but i think underneath it he is doing a good job and he's doing the things he needs to do even if he's not aware of what these things are he's doing the stuff that he's told to do and i think that's props i think to the coaching staff and the program that they have over there in denver now that's able to take a guy like Jokic and just develop the fundamentals and then sort of just let the man flourish with his talents yeah and, and it's i think that saying things like this as someone like Nikola Jokic, who is at the peak of like what he is like that is I think it makes it almost more impressive because like if you talk to anybody at the top of their field in anything, right? Like whether it be like in a business or politics or a sport, like you have to dedicate your full self to be the best at what you do. Right. Mm -hmm. And for him to be able, like either for some reason, he's just so talented and gifted that he doesn't need to try his hardest to be as good as he is. It just comes to him naturally. He's just a basketball savant. Somehow he has like this a great cardio that just like doesn't need to be worked on that hard. Or he's able to motivate himself so hard without having to be like super driven about the work like he's not like i love this this is so fun all the time like i i don't know i just find it so impressive that he's able to you know condition himself and be you know such a student of the sport now a master of the sport without being fully dedicated to it in a way it's just (laughs) like it's mind-blowing yeah i think i think we're just seeing a different personality i mean he's also you know non-american so i feel like the american way has oh i feel like it's we were very like rocky balboa (laughs) um you know sylvester stallone michael jordan but i think that we're sort of seeing a different side of a different path to i guess to greatness is that you know the work i think is still being done like i like i don't think mike malone has ever said anything about Jokic not showing up to the gym and doing the reps and the whatnot i think the work is still being done i just think the approach is different from Jokic, at least the emotional and and spoken approach of it i think and he also mentioned something i i um during that interview with lisa salters um or maybe it wasn't with her but there was another interview where Jokic talks about how he his mom always told him to stay even kill mm-hmm. um and i th- i think that this i think he embodies that like he comes in he gets the job done day in and day out and he's such a long-term thinker and he stays even um and he that's that's how he comes off as well in in his personality which i think is different to what we're used to here i think very much i feel like naturally uh folks who are successful at least from an american culture perspective do put the time in but then you know i think it is very dramatized as well when it's like starting to be spoken about mm-hmm. and i think maybe it's a culture thing possibly or may just be an embodiment of Jokic's personality yeah I, I think it's a little bit of both honestly i mean obviously denver mm-hmm. has a great culture there and they're able to transform that into a title and i think Jokic just fit that mold perfectly um yeah yeah it's it's great and yeah. then, uh, one of my other favorite quotes of his uh it wasn't really a quote it was more of a reaction to looking at his phone during the press conference to see because oh. like someone asked him about you know like 
has Djokovic texted you because you know he just won the the tennis grand slam for the French Open and you just won the NBA title like has he said anything he's like oh yeah let me check my phone he's and then he's just like instantly like oh disgusting <laughs> too many messages don't want to look at that <laughs> yeah so funny <laughs> that that makes that that was hilarious i do have a question that popped into my head just mm. now and i i do want to chat did want to chat about this question but i forgot to put it on the doc but i'm gonna ask yeah. it now because i feel like this may be a good spot to ask it um well actually we can there's a point here where we're talking a bit more about you but let's just answer ask this i'm gonna ask this question anyways sure. <laughs> so Jokic is an NBA champ. We've we've heard we've seen his press conference, the double MVPs. He's on the media map basketball wise. Um, the last this last week is is do you think US basketball fans are ready to accept the fact that the best player in the world for the next few years might be, and if the Denver Nuggets are a dynasty too, yeah. might be a player that's not American and is different from what we're used to seeing as being the best player. We're used to seeing athleticism. Uh, I think a lot of times it's either, it's either a dominant big, like a Shaq mm-hmm. or it's, uh, or it's a strong, skillful guard, like Kobe or Michael or a fusion of both in, in what we got with, from LeBron. And now we're shifting to this new era where it's, where it could potentially be, Jokic, a guy from a small country, mm-hmm. not athletic, <laughs> not dominant per se, uh, and dominant in different ways, but not physically close to the basket like Shaq and Hakeem and some of these other uh, big guys we've had. Um, are we? Are we? Is a, can you? Are US NBA fans ready for that, Sean? You think? Uh, I, that's an interesting question. I guess it's more like, what do you? What do you mean by ready? Like, are we like saying that ready to accept like, that this is this is the best guy in the NBA, best player in the world? I think we're willing to accept it. I mean, it's impossible to deny it after this this run the Nuggets had. I yep. think. Yeah, you know, obviously the whole year, like all ESPN could talk about was Jokic versus Embiid you know for the mvp and how no one wanted to give it to Jokic, and obviously didn't end up happening and Embiid went on the run at the end of the season but even then you're talking about Embiid. he's a foreign guy too you know he's not from Mm -hmm. america so i think yeah we're we're fine accepting that non-american players are the best players in the league um do i feel like we're willing to have Jokic be the face of the league I think it's an interesting question and answer that. This mm-hmm. is certainly not. Um, <laughs> and it goes back to the quotes. He's like, he's just not, uh, he's a great role model, but he's not a marketable role model. Mm-hmm. Um, like Nike put out a pretty cool commercial that I saw and it was, you know, playing to his like nonchalant attitude, but that's just not marketable. Right? Like, it's yeah. not going to like really inspire like the American youth. Like you're not going to see guys being like, Oh, I want to play like Jokic or I want to be like Jokic. It's still going to be like, I want to play like John Morant even like mm-hmm. even after all this stuff, I want to play like Jason Tatum. I want to play like Kevin Durant. I feel like these guys, the Americans are still the ones that we look up to as like the faces of the league even though you could argue that the top five players in the league are not American players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. that's just how it's I, always going to have to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I'm interested in seeing and what's going to happen here the next few years because I don't because Jokic and Nuggets are not going anywhere. I think Jokic oh, no. is Jokic could still get better the next few years. That's scary. Uh, Jamal Murray <laughs> could still get better. Yeah, the Nuggets are going to be around. I think it'll be interesting to see how the NBA and how the the basketball marketplace pivots to these new faces because I mean, yeah, LeBron's talking about retirement. Durant <laughs> is I you know got knocked out in the left, second so. round. Few good years left, right? But I don't know. I'm 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 this is you know, not to veer off a little yeah. bit, but to see the Nuggets win this title, they're I was kind of happy to see the Nuggets win it. Oh, same. Yeah. Because I'm kind of getting tired of the old guys being featured <laughs> in the NBA talks and winning champs, yeah. championships. I'm I'm ready for some young blood. I'm ready for some new new faces in this league. I think a lot of the young crop brings a lot to the game that these older guys can't do anymore mm-hmm. and didn't have in their arsenal. Obviously, the game evolves. I'm ready to see Devin Booker, Jokic, uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, just to name a few here of this yeah. younger crop. I'm ready to start seeing these guys make it into these later rounds in the playoffs and be talked about a little bit more. Um, kind of over Chris Paul <laughs> a little bit, kind of over Steph Curry. Over and uh, <sighs> Can you be I don't over know. LeBron? Maybe not just yet. I don't know if you can <laughs> ever be over LeBron. You know? Yeah. There's no situation. Like, he could... He could be another five years in the league. I don't think we'd get tired of talking about LeBron. Yeah, I mean, he still brings it, yeah. you know? He still brings it, and he he does something different every time. Yeah, no, that's very true. And so, I guess, yeah, going back to, yeah, the, it, this is, seems like it really is the Nuggets time because mm-hmm. you look at the rest of the league, and, and obviously a lot can change in the offseason. There are going to be a ton of moving pieces that no one predicted. Um, so the teams, as they're constructed right now, you know, it's impossible to look at it this way, but the Nuggets, as constructed now, seem like they're the most primed to repeat. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at the rest of the Western Conference, you, like you mentioned, you have all these aging guys. You have, like, Kevin Durant on the Suns and LeBron. Obviously, like, Kawhi and Paul George are, like, way too old and injured to make an impact anymore. Mm-hmm. Or you have these young guys that just don't seem like they're ready yet, you know, like De'Aaron Fox, yeah. like you know the grizzlies um like the okc thunder like these these teams aren't ready to win yet and so the nuggets have really found this you know this kind of window here where they're the best mm-hmm. positioned i think over at least the next two years to yep. get another championship um i i really wouldn't even be surprised I, and i think yeah obviously i think their toughest competition would come out of the east um but yep. i think them being in the finals and giving themselves another chance it seems extremely likely yeah, I think the only team that comes off the top of my head that can challenge them, and again, it's not a West team, it's the East. I still think the Celtics have have a have, have a punch in this. Uh, the Bucks. There's questions you with Jalen Brown. Yeah, the Bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Seventy Sixers are always evolving. I guess at some point you think they're going to crack it, but I think I don't know. Yeah, the yeah, coaching. The problem, you got the coaching yeah. change. <laughs> coaching, <laughs> but then also, I'm I'm not convinced Embiid can make it through a seven game series. Yeah. It's just too much wear on him. Mm-hmm. He's got to get Jokic's uh, cardio routine, man. Yeah. He's got to figure something else out there, but you know, before letting this go veer off too much off topic, uh, 
just a rundown of how the Nuggets did it. The Nuggets win the title, beat the beat the Heat four to one. Nuggets finished third in three point percentage in the playoffs, second in overall field goal percentage. So how did they win it? How did they do this? How did they do this run? Unsurprisingly, it's what Jokic brings to the table, which is essentially just sound offense. And I'm not just talking about because he's a big guy who shoots good around the basket. The dude's got an arsenal soft touch around the basket. He's got a mid-range shot, and he's actually got a three-point shot as well. But I think more dangerous than anything is his passing ability, his ability to start to start everything for this Nuggets team. Number one in offensive rating through the whole playoffs, fourth in defensive rating, third in assists, and number one in le- in the least number of turnovers mm-hmm. per game. If you can do that, <laughs> you swing the ball around and not turn it over, you're you're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. I mean, this team really reminds me of like the 2013-2014 Spurs when Tim Duncan was older, Kawhi was still pretty young. Wasn't really any one dominant star, so they all just, but they had a plethora of really good players, so they moved that ball around, and things started with Tim Duncan. But this team is more dangerous because they got an actual prime big man <laughs> in Jokic, who are in many ways uh, brings a lot more to the table than Tim Duncan could. Mm. Uh, finishing finishing the Nuggets sixteen and four in the playoffs, two of those losses to the to the Suns, one to the Timberwolves, and one to the Heat. So. The Suns were the closest that they ever came yeah. to really filling the ropes, mm-hmm. but they took care of business there. Yeah, that took um, two heroic dude, efforts from Booker and Durant to get those two wins. Like, yeah. I think Jokic scored over 50 points in one of those losses. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it took it took everything those two superstars had to get the claw and get those wins. And then after that, they just got pummeled. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the Suns basically played their played lights out those oh two man games. yeah those home games were just like holy crap like <laughs> i mean that's that's the potential of that team though so yeah mm-hmm. i think something that always i like looking into especially when there's an nba finals where i don't really have a dog in the mm. fight that i don't really have a preference and this was very much this miami versus nuggets is like what dudes do you feel good that one? And <laughs> one of the guys I think that stands out to me is Jeff yes. Green. I think a lot's been said about Uncle him. Jeff. I'm glad. Yep. I'm glad that ESPN and, and commentators and Mike Malone all gave this guy a shout out because dude's been on an NBA journey. 16 <laughs> years, been to the playoffs with eight different teams. Wow. Uh he's he's been around. He was a teammate of Durant, Russell Westbrook, a teammate of LeBron, teammate of this young Jokic team. Uh, I mean, dude's been everywhere. He, obviously, he had the that heart the heart surgery stuff early on in his career, yeah. um, but he's just stuck around and he's played his role, jumping on minimum contract to minimum contract and just doing what he needs to do, no more, no less. And the dude is an NBA yeah. champ. I think that's a guy to feel good about winning. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, on the just point of Jeff Green, like those minimum contracts, like he's always outplayed them. Everywhere he's gone, mm-hmm. I feel like he's just given solid production to whatever team he's been on. And for whatever reason, he doesn't really stick around in any one place. He never did mm-hmm. it over his entire career. Um, and yeah, it just happens to land in the right place, right time here with Denver. Um, yeah, great for him. Any any good feelings for DeAndre Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if any good feelings, but I he did find it two minutes I, in that game. Five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did find it funny that he managed, 
to get some like that that for a second there yeah that thought right there let's talk about that thought a little bit that <laughs> those game five rotations in that second quarter were really odd for mike malone and i was <laughs> well his dad, he stunned. needed to the foul trouble he he didn't have any other options to go to yeah i i i'm so surprised that no other team really put the nuggets in that spot until this game five yeah. that the miami put them in because I thought that was their Achilles heel is that Mike Malone was very adamant about sticking to his six-man rotation. I felt the Lakers could have taken advantage of that, put Jokic in foul trouble and forced Mike Malone to go deep into his bench. Never were able to do yep. it. Somehow Miami got it done in game five, but you know couldn't get the win. But yeah, you could tell that there was some scrambling there and they did not look very good in a few of those minutes when it, DeAndre Jordan was, was thrown out there. Uh... There was just some weird pairings. Like there was a lineup where where neither Jamal Murray or Jokic were on the floor. Basically, Michael Porter Jr. was running the <laughs> offense, and that looked awful. Oh, His basketball yeah, instinct so looked bad. terrible. Yes, can we talk about that too? Like, yeah, multiple times I'm watching this game. I text you. I'm like, dude, Michael Porter Jr. is the only reason they could lose this game potentially. He has just yeah. the most ridiculous tunnel vision I've seen from an NBA player in a very long mm-hmm. time like the most egregious i think there was one i think it was in the first half there's one play where he was driving to the basket three guys collapse in on him and Jokic is literally sitting next to the rim <laughs> no one within five feet of him and michael porter jr's line of sight you could easily see Jokic from where his vantage point was and he just chucks it up. He gets bailed out with a foul or something. I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> you got the best player in the world with no one around him for an easy two. And you don't even look up. It's it's unreal. <laughs> yeah. And there's another thing that he has a, ten- a ten- tendency to do. And he did it in this game five where Aaron Gordon steals the ball. Either Aaron Gordon or KCP. And they're on the break. Michael Porter is taking it. There's two Miami Heat players, but I don't know who the two, I forget who the two guys are. Maybe Mike Gabe, Vincent, Max Strews, yeah. one of those dudes. Michael Porter Jr. is 6'8". These guys are like 6'4". <laughs> and instead of driving to the rim, Michael Porter takes a step back oh. three. Just rim, just bricks Brick. it. And it's like, and this is when they're down. Jamal Murray again and Jokic are on the bench. And it's like, dude, you, this is an opportunity to gain momentum. And you, Take a step back three. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I don't know, man. A lot of people have given him a lot of praise for this game. I thought he played awful. I don't know. I don't know what game they were watching. Like, yeah, sure. He like had a few good baskets. He had a good, you know, he, he made a really good passage of Jamal Murray late in the game. Um, that set up mm-hmm. that that um pretty much game winning three. But Man, I just there's so many things this guy does that are wrong. That I'm just like, I just I he is really the only reason I could see this all falling apart. Because if he like, <laughs> you know, he comes into his own, he's like, hey, I'm a champion now. Like now I'm just trying to get mine. So I'm just going to try to chuck up 20 shots a game, you know, probably shoot like 38 percent from the field. You know, maybe get his 25 points a game on super inefficient scoring and just take away from Murray mm-hmm. and Jokic, who should be the ones getting those shots. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like him. I don't like him that much. I got to say. 
Yeah, I think he's got some moments where he definitely needs a little sit down or talking to. He was a minus seven in this game five with most of the starters being plus seven or higher. Ah, see, that's super um, telling, too. I didn't even know that. And all yep. the media is like, wow, what a great game, because they just look at the stat sheet and they're like, oh, double, double. Wow, so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, double D does. You did have a double, double. Yeah, double, double. Yeah, double, double. Was wow, one, so, so helpful. One for six from three, <laughs> seven for 17 for the field. Yeah. I mean, Aaron Gordon had a pretty rough shooting night too, but he was still a plus eight and still managed Puts, to get gets it done on spread. defense, it, man. Defense, yeah, yeah, it's just like stifling them and uh, making life hard. Yeah, that's what wins the mm-hmm. game, not Michael Porter Jr.'s double double. Yeah, just pulling up. Oh for, my gosh, for random I, step yeah, back Chris, threes. Christian yeah, Braun was uh, Brown. I think it's Christian Brown. He did much more <laughs> than Michael Porter Jr. in my opinion to win this game. <laughs> yeah two for four seven points came in and played some critical yeah 24 minutes for the rookie yeah. in this game five he got his shout outs uh, too i mean yeah michael malone is in love with the kid i mean we saw as much mm-hmm. in in the <laughs> in the parade interview which i mean oh, we might want to talk about that too that was wild <laughs> yeah final point on a uh, point on christian brown though is like yeah mike malone's gotta love this kid because these rookies like these middle of the pack rookies are going to become so important for these championship oh, yeah. four teams. I Everyone's think I've mentioned it before. For the Christian Brown. Yeah. But like with these new CBAs that are kicking in the more, the heftier penalties around repeater tax, these guys like a Christian Brown and Austin Reeves are so <laughs> going to become so much more important because they're so cheap and they produce and they produce good basketball. So Christian Brown's going to be on this team for this run for a while. Oh Yeah. I'm excited to see what this guy does. Um, One other note on another bench player, though. I don't think we can talk about this game five without talking about Bruce Brown. Uh, His box score doesn't look that great, but I think if you watch that game, you know that there were a few clutch rebounds and especially that clutch push put back from from Bruce Brown in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yep. That was huge. (laughs) And this guy's been doing plays like that all series. I mean, 21 points in game four. A, he he was basically mm-hmm. leading the charge to make that one like not even close. Yep, exactly. 28 minutes in this game five, four for 14. Not great shooting night, but those four field goals that were made came at pretty important moments <laughs> yeah. during no this game. No one was shooting well this game, except <laughs> I think Jokic was like 12 of 16 because of course he was. Yeah, Jokic, yeah, he just manages to bend the rules of physics. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, no, Bruce Brown, I mean, huge shout outs to him and huge shout out to the Nuggets for being able to snatch him up from free agency. There's so mm-hmm. many teams that got to be kicking themselves after watching this finals being like, how did we not sign Bruce Brown to more than six and a half million dollars? Like <laughs> six and a half million dollars. That's nothing. That's abs- that's basically a minimum deal, like a veteran minimum. Yeah. And this guy was super impactful to winning a championship. And now it's going to be interesting because like teams got me looking at that. Like we need that championship pedigree on our team. Like he's a winner, but then you have Michael Malone drunkenly at the parade being like, 
this guy's not going <laughs> <Yeah>. anywhere. Bruce <laughs> yep. Brown's staying around. You heard it here first. And it's like, you, you got to <laughs> think that the, the GM's like, oh, God, how much am I have to pay Bruce Brown now? <laughs> and he's ba- like, Michael Malone's basically already signed the contract for us. <laughs> yeah, I know this. Yeah, I bet the Nuggets are kicking themselves that that player option was not a team option yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, it's six point eight. That's his, the player option. He is definitely yeah. opting out of that. What do you think? What do you think he's making? I was just thinking, like, what player that came to mind of like who is the equivalent mm. of what Mike Brown's value is, and one of the names that comes up is Mal- uh, not Malik Beasley, but Mikel Bridges. What's the name of the dude? on Mikhail the bridges i think on the kings what's his name yeah mikhail not no. mikhail bridges on the Kings. oh malik monk oh, malik monk, malik monk. <laughs> i it kind of reminds me a little uh, bit of malik monk i don't think his, his, uh, his, it's different malik monk didn't win a championship that's true but i see i see kind of what's malik monk getting he's getting nine 9.4 okay i that's a measuring I stick i see it more like kyle kuzma Kuzma, you think he's a you're a guy that really isn't that good. Uh, you know, he's improved in the last few years, but when he signed that deal, uh that with that basically re-signed to the Lakers before they traded into what for Westbrook, mm-hmm. um, I think he was like what, three years, fifty million? Something, yeah, he's a thirteen yeah. million dollars a yeah, year guy. I, I see something like that, you know, where Bruce Brown's getting mm-hmm. like double the money on a longer term deal. I can see that for yep, sure. This is, like three years, 50. I could see that for him. Yep. That's definitely what that is. Is a times two. Woof. I mean, you won a championship. Yeah. Your, your pay raise goes up significantly. Yeah. You got that, that championship. Like um, what was KCP's contract there. after they won the championship? Did he get a big bag too? Uh, I think, I think I want to say he was also like a $13 million guy, yeah. six, 15 million, perhaps. What is he getting paid right now? I think he's on like 15 or $16 million contracts. If I can remember, I forget how to spell, always forget how to spell this. I uh, just put KCP in the Google search, man. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel like with Bruce Brown, it's, it's, it is a situation where teams are going to look at him as a as a big reason to why Denver was mm-hmm. in it. And so they're going to have to be very willing to pay him a lot of money, I think. Like, or else Michael Malone's going to eat his words. <laughs> yeah. Yep. KCP is a 14, 14, million, 14 million a, a year yeah. guy. Yeah. His I see Bruce Brown biggest... making around this. That's a, that's, that's quite a bit. That's quite a bit for this, for, for, I mean, he definitely brought it. Tony at twenty six years old, he he's got a lot still. Yeah, that's not um, old. He's still got his prime left. Like, yeah, why not fifty percent shooting? Why not give him a four year like big deal? You know. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 an interesting one. Another tidbit about Bruce Brown is he's a he was also a very late second round pick. Yeah. So Denver Nuggets really hanging their head here on these guys. Here's here's another here's another guy to to talk about a little bit here. Uh Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon's journey to to this yes. point. Do you do you feel like Aaron Gordon has sort of redeemed his storyline as an NBA player or do you still kind of see him as that guy who looked really talented but just never quite lived up to his potential or or do we see Aaron Gordon as 
the guy has f- sort of fulfilled or like closed the loop in a good way. Well, on his NBA so NBA journey, NBA story. I, I say yes to the latter. Um, this is a guy who came into the league with nothing but Blake Griffin comparisons, right? Mm-hmm. He was just basically Blake Griffin. He had the size and athleticism, and that's basically what Orlando drafted him for. And he was like their number one option on a you know very bad team. Well, I guess they had Nikola Vucevic too. They were like the one two. And mm-hmm. it just never really worked. And you bring him on to Denver. Um, you know, they get lucky. Orlando Magic's having a fire sale on players to start their rebuild. And so you get Aaron Gordon for a pretty good price uh, in that trade. And you're able to reshape your game to not be, you know, uh, an offensive option at all. Like you go from being basically a 1B option on a team to being like four. And that's mm-hmm. a huge transition for someone to make and to up your defensive intensity to its maximum level. You know, like he just basically re-specialized his game and he did everything that this team needed him to do. And it, it, it just shows, you know, when guys buy into a system and don't worry about, you know, their individual stats or anything, that's that's when, you know, you can really find things like this where you're like that that contributed to winning. Yeah, I I think it's an interesting it's a it's a fascinating journey that he's sort of been on. Here's a question for you. How many three-point attempts do you think Aaron Gordon averaged in 2017 the one of the bad Orlando Magic teams? Uh 2017. Was he even shooting that many threes back then? Was that part of his game? I don't even remember. I'll say this was this was the year he attempted the most threes. It was threes the most. Per game. Okay. Got I'll I'll say 5. Six, six okay. 5.96. So that's, I'm looking at his career numbers here, year, year over year. And yeah, I mean, in Orlando, it seemed like they were just trying to make him something. Maybe he felt he could have been. Maybe he well, everyone but, wants you know, to be the, the guy, the, right? Yeah. It's just, he was attempting threes. He was basically their point forward, averaging six, four to six threes from 2017 to 2020. And then there's like a big shift. Uh, in these attempt numbers and they start decreasing and then Denver is two and a half attempts per game um, in the playoffs. It stays relatively the same 2.3. And I think in the press conference, there was this funny point where he sort of talks about what's changed. And he sort of talks about Jamal Murray telling him to just stay in that dunker spot and just dunk the ball <laughs> and do putbacks. Just yep. do that. And so I think, it kind of feels like it came full circle where Aaron Gordon came in as the athletic versatile looking guard or forward that could, that could be, you know, a huge dunker highlight reel, but also a star in this league. And maybe the star portion never came to fruition, but he is using still his athleticism, his dunking ability, his big body, uh, and a little bit of his passing ability to, to contribute to this team and make him an NBA champ. So it is an interesting journey of like, attempting to evolve his game and then coming back full circle to what were primarily his strengths. And that's what the Denver Nuggets needed. And that's, that's what ultimately got them over the top here. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, we've listed off, you know, every rotation player at this point, like (laughs) they all contributed. It was the perfect eight man rotation for this finals run. And man, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hats off to all these guys. It, it was a beautifully, scripted run for them like it was just made for for them to succeed 
and they they ran yeah. its perfection. Yeah, I agree. Uh, there's some bullet points here on the final takeaways here, Sean. We've talked about some of these. Um, any any that you want to jump into? I mean, this or, is or and highlight? this is something I've I've addressed on multiple podcast before even i think on the last one we did a few weeks ago when we were talking about all the coaching rotations and all that crap i think my biggest takeaway from this finals is my first point here is that consistency is what wins championships not money you you don't Mm -hmm. win championships just by paying players anymore and i think that this finals along with some of the last few finals have really shown that if you stick to a program, if you stay loyal to it and you get the right people in there, like it means the world. I mean, let's, let's start with Denver, right? So you have Michael Malone. He's been the head coach there for eight years, which that is unheard of in this day and age. I mean, you just saw Monty Williams get outed from Phoenix after three years of some of the most successful basketball that franchise has ever seen. Now imagine if they gave up on Michael Malone because Jamal Murray gets hurt and they get ousted in the first round of the playoffs the year after that. You Mm -hmm. imagine if they did that, they probably would not have won the finals this year. It probably, they probably would have still been, you know, a middling team, but they stuck with the guy that they're like, these are, this is the guy that we want to define the culture of this team. And it ended up being a winning culture. Let's look at Eric Spolstra on the other side. This is a guy that could have multiple times not been the coach of the Miami Heat. I think even LeBron vouched for him not to be the coach after that first (laughs) season when they'd lost the title. And they stuck with him. Pat Riley stuck with him. And what do you know? They won two championships in that era. And he's been the coach ever since. And now they've made two finals in the last four years. And you think they would have done that with some other random coach that they brought in with less experience, with less understanding of how this team operates, the culture of the team? No. And so it's just that that just from the coach's standpoint, and then obviously the players, the Heat roster mm-hmm. largely unchanged over the last four years where they've made two finals runs and made it to the conference finals one year. I mean, it's been Butler, it's been Bam, Harrow, Robinson. They've all been there. And on the Nuggets side, you got Jokic and Murray, obviously. And Murray is a guy, we they've talked about this a lot. They could have moved on from him. Uh, I think Tim Connolly was the GM of the Nuggets at the time when the ACL tear happened. And he's like, he goes to Michael Malone. He's like, look, I have these offers on the table for Murray. What do you think? And Michael Malone doesn't even think about it. He's like, absolutely not. We're sticking with Murray. This is our guy. He sticks with his guys. He doesn't think about just the short term. He thinks this is a guy I want here. This is a very good player to invest in. And they stick with these two guys and they get them a championship. So uh, to me, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, on both sides, it, it just shows that, you know, y- you bring in these new guys you think it's some magic formula that you're just going to wipe out the rest of the NBA and it's just going to be a blowout. And yeah, sure. We've seen that. We've seen that with the warriors when they had the stupid Kevin Durant era, you know, it comes once in a full moon, once in a blue moon and it sucks, you know, but then you realize like, you know, in fact, most of these championships, they're from teams that built from the ground up. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I like I like that this finals gave us that lesson. Yeah, I think even 
there's a scenario also where Mike Malone could have been let go when they lost in the conference finals against the Lakers, where it's like, well, Malone did really good up to this point, but to go even further, we need, we need the veteran coach. Yeah. We need, we need Doc Rivers. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if they know. brought in Doc Rivers. <laughs> like that's, I guess that's sort of like some of the narratives that are playing out with some of these teams where it's like, okay, this is a good coach, but this good coach can't get us to be a great team. He can only get us up to this point, and then we have to say goodbye. That could have easily been Mike Malone could there have, too, yeah. um, in the com- in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. But they stuck with him. They stuck with the core, and and they and they got they got the job they got the job done. Um, and yeah, I think what I don't know what else much to say about this team. So many positive things, and so excited to have seen this team win it. Mike Malone was a hell of a show. parade too the dude was clearly buzzing hard and uh he was probably one of the most aggressive coaches on the mic that i've seen at the parade not aggressive in a bad way it was great yeah yeah just no filter it's got the the shirt on that says you can you can stick that in your pipe and (laughs) smoke it (laughs) so good so good yeah he uh, i i he was just the hype man introducing everybody to the mic and some of these speeches from some of the guys were pretty short mm-hmm. uh there was more mike malone words thrown in, in thrown out there in that on during that parade than anybody else's <laughs> and the dude is stoked and i love it the guys had an interesting journey i think whenever i think of mike malone i always think about him being basically demarcus cousins only coach that he liked <laughs> in the king's era yeah and somehow he was the coach that had the shortest term Right in Sacramento during that era and brought the most success there, which the success at that point was like almost making it to the eight seed, I think. <laughs> right. Yeah. Never made the playoffs. Yeah. So for him to go from there and now finding a home in, in Denver is pretty, pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One, one thing to do now, Sean, I think is we do have to talk about the heat for yeah, a little bit. We, and I think one of the pending questions. talked about them enough. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of the big questions here is, can they make it back? I mm. mean, they had this magical run. The core is staying intact for next year, for better or worse. But can they can they do it? Can they do it? Can they make another run for it? Again, the regular season was not very great for them. 25th in offensive rating, 9th in defensive rating. Only two players played over 70 games last year. That was Bam and Caleb Martin. Everybody else played around in the 60s, low 60s in terms of games played. Uh, so injury woes definitely impacts this game, their game. But with that said, what do you think, Sean? Can they? Can you see them making another run at it? Uh, I can. And I don't think it's a very difficult question, actually. I mean, you just look at the success that they've had with this squad. I mean, yeah, sure, Jimmy Butler's another year older. But Bam still in his prime. Caleb Martin looks good. Tyler Harrow's going to be fine by the time the next season starts. Duncan Robinson figured out how to play basketball again. Um, he forgot since his rookie year, but you know he actually looked okay. Um, so they still have their core guys. All the ones that have gotten them this far, like multiple years in a row. I don't really feel like Kyle Lowry, Kevin Love, I, they're not really like that important to what they do. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, you could ask them, Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, those guys are both going to be up for free agency. 
Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to get a lot of interest from other teams. Um, they show and they, they can, they can play really well. Um, but yeah, I think that this team is also going to look pretty different. I, I think we're going to see them mm-hmm. try to make some moves um, to get over the hump, but still, you know, be try to build around Bam, Butler and Harrow and just put, you know, another quality guy, maybe someone that's more offensive minded around them, um, getting a backup big, obviously, you know, They've proven that yeah, they had no answer for Jokic, but I don't know if a backup big is the answer to Jokic either, so they, they might just be up a <laughs> creek there. Um, but yeah, I totally think they can make it back. I think they've proven enough yeah. to everybody. Yep. I'd be interested to see what changes they made. I think for me, some of the obvious glaring holes is the lack of a backup big here or another guy to pair up alongside Bam. I don't think Cody Zeller nope. is going to get the job done. Kevin Love was a nice addition, but definitely not as your primary guy. I think getting a bigger body there. Perimeter defense, I think, is also a hole here. Can they get a long guy, a, a more athletic dude to, to really hold down some of their bigger, some of these better wing players that they go up against? That was a glaring hole. So I'd like to see them hunt, hunt for those two things in free agency. Um, before moving on completely, Jokic, Jamal Murray. Jokic, one of the all-time greats, most fascinating NBA story here with his journey to come here. Only player to ever record a 30-20-10 and 10 <laughs> game in a finals Crazy. game. More triple-doubles in a playoff run, passing Wilt Chamberlain there. I still don't know. Did he end up getting the three triple-doubles in this series? He did not. We projected he, didn't. That he only he, had four he only went with two in two of the games. And I think in another one, he had like seven. So yeah, I think he only yeah. had two. So two out of five, yeah. we predicted, I predicted three out of five. I think you I did, did too, two, yeah. Sean. Or did Which, you? yeah, yeah, only two. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, but. Double MVP, MVP <sighs> finals MVP, champion. What more can we say? The, Sean, what oh, else? Oh, man, I mean, it puts him in the conversation of all-time greats. That's what everyone's talking about now. You know, that championship just puts you over the hump and puts you in that upper echelon of, you know, guys people will remember forever. You know, you went, mm-hmm. yeah, everyone was like, oh, he's a fraud with his multiple MVPs. No one's saying that anymore. And they never will. No. They never yeah. will. And I think um, I'll, I'll end our Jokic talk, which we've, we've done an extensive bit on with, um, you know, he's had a lot of funny quotes, but this is one of his more just like wise quotes that I've heard him say. I really <laughs> like this one. It's like, I think the experience is something that's not what happened to you, but what you're going to do with what happened. You know, it's very simple, but very, I don't know. It's just very telling of like who he is, how he plays the game, just, you know, how he views life in general. I, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a smart dude, man. He's a smart freaking dude. Yeah. Very wise. Very wise. He's got the, uh, he's got the big brain over there. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you can see it in his play. He just, I don't know how he finds and makes the plays that he does, but. Yeah, incredible guy. And for better or worse, he also got the thumbs up of approval from Shaq. Mm. Welcomed him to the all-time big men club. Oh, uh, hey, that's great praise, man. This is Shaq we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shaq famously a guy who really holds his, especially the younger big men, his, count, his former rivals, counterparts to big standards. Dwight Howard being one of those guys he never quite accepted. Yeah. <laughs> but he accept, he's accepted Jokic with big open arms so oh, he loves Jokic it's a big man. one every time he he yeah. raves about Jokic every time they talk about him like you can just tell he's like this guy is for real yeah 
But we do, I know we talked a lot about you, but we do have to talk about Jamal Murray. Uh, Jamal Murray, I think one of the reasons why, if there was doubters for the Nuggets run all the way to the finals, it, and the switch that sort of made it from, wow, why wasn't this obvious to everybody that the Nuggets were going to win this? It's because of Jamal Murray's play. He had a bat, he had to, and he even admitted it through those press conference interviews that he knew he was going to have some bad games to start the regular season. And he did his regular season wasn't something that jumped off the page, but man, the dude turned it on in the playoffs and he, they, he got better every round that went by and the dudes arrived. Like there's going to be some guys that are going to lose those all NBA spots that they got this year. And they're not getting it next year because (laughs) Jamal Murray's taking one of those spots. Yeah, man. I don't know who it's going to be, but Someone's going to lose an all-NBA spot because I think Jamal Murray is going to be right there for 100%. it next I year. I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating, kind of the career he's had so far, where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's improved steadily every year, and, like, you get to his fourth year, and it's the bubble, and you just see this guy go electric. I mean, this, this is mm-hmm. where he was really first got on our radar was with those bubble performances. We're like, dude, Jamal Murray is on a different level right now. Like... And yeah. unfortunately, like he gets that ACL tear in the next season, you know, and yeah. and it just puts things on pause for a while. And then, yeah, easy to forget about his regular season this year. He didn't really do much. And now now we see, you know, this guy is for freaking real. Like the, mm-hmm. he is bonafide all star talent in this league. And the only reason he hasn't been an all star in this league is because he's never had a great first half of a regular season. Yeah. Um, but he always comes in clutch when it counts. You know, I think a lot of people at this point would probably put Jamal Murray in their top five for clutch players in the league. If you're just looking at all these yep. playoff performances now and just, you know, how many times he's come up huge for them in this series, not just in this series, but in the whole playoffs. I mean, sixth player ever to average at least 20 points in 10 assists in five finals games consecutively. Um, that puts him in a very special category of players. Um, with you know some very ins- impressive stats and now he's finally healthy i think it's gonna be it's funny that he gets a championship before he gets an all-star appearance but i think he's about to get <laughs> many many all-star appearances in a row for the rest of you know the prime of his career another eight years yeah yep jamal murray almost finishing really close to that just prestigious 40 40 50 90 shooting percentage club he's so close he was so close to it 47 percent from the field 40 percent from three uh 92 percent from the free throw line for 26 points a game Cold. during his playoff run <laughs> it's it's insane i mean i'm the bubble run numbers are also pretty insane like he shot 45 percent from three during that yeah, bubble run so <laughs> like, nuts 50 percent from the field like 90 oh percent from God. free throw line i don't know if he'll ever get to 45 percent from three i mean he got damn close this year though 42 yeah, percent jeez yeah he got pretty close to it so uh yeah i don't i don't know who he's knocking out maybe um Fox, I don't know. Did yeah, Fox make All NBA um, this year? No, it was the guards. So I mean, there's only six guards total, so that's tough. Yeah, you know, it's obviously so. Yeah. I mean, you got Shea, Luca, Steph, Donovan. Donovan, Dame. Like it's so hard to make All NBA, but I'm not gonna disclude Jamal Murray from that conversation. Yeah. No way. 
He's in I, the, and it's John Morant when he doesn't hold guns. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's a very competitive field for six spots. Um, yeah. So, but I, I think, think you could do it. I think he's. Yeah, I think he's pushing. He's pushing Dame out. I think it's yeah, Dame's, it's Dame's time. getting a little older. It's coming to an end. Steph's getting a little older. <laughs> yeah, Jamal Murray's Jamal time Murray's is coming. Time. And then uh, um, last note I want to say from the final takeaways: Game Five was awesome. If you're if you're <laughs> a basketball fan, Game Five was so good. Like it was dirty, it was terrible shooting, it was just people diving on the court. The refs were not blowing their whistles at every little ticky tack foul. Like you saw ones where it should have for sure been a foul, but they didn't call it. <laughs> yeah, and I loved it, man. I loved every second of it. I was on the edge of my seat. Like I, I didn't know who was gonna win. It kept going back and forth, and the Heat were up most of this game and then nuggets just come back in the fourth quarter and, and just take the lead and don't give it up and and jimmy butler goes crazy at the end and he gets a foul that probably shouldn't have been a foul on that three-point attempt but that's yeah. okay and man it just had a little bit of everything and you could tell both teams gave 110 percent. every guy on the court gave 110 percent. It, it was just it was just pure basketball it was it was great what a way to end the season. I was, yeah, on that ref point now, I did want to ask you about that Jimmy Butler play at oh, the end yeah. there. Did, that, did the Denver Nuggets save the NBA refs and the NBA from having to talk about that oh, moment? Oh, 100%. Yeah, because like, that was, that was Den- so questionable. <laughs> yes. If Denver doesn't win this game, Miami wins as a result of that play. Yeah. That's, that's a sketchy that's situation for the NBA sketchy. to be in. Because I mean, that yeah. was... <laughs> a questionable play i i just can't believe i don't even, even after they reviewed it they still called it a mm-hmm. foul like yeah the argument was that he was in the shooter space but like it obviously only initiated contact from the kickout. so yep. I, oh man yeah maybe that is how the rule works but it doesn't seem like it should be yeah to me it feels like the kickout trumps yeah. Him moving into his space. But even then, the Tim Gordon moving into his space was very questionable. But yeah, I just <laughs> did want to ask you how you felt about that. Cause I definitely felt like, wow, the NBA got the NBA and the refs got bailed out that that's not a story that's going to be written or even talked about ever again oh, no. because Denver won that game. Thankfully, yeah, they did get yeah, bailed out for sure. <laughs> Cause if they lost that game, we, that, play oh. would have been played over and over again and talked about for oh my the gosh. last three days yeah thank goodness that would have been awful to talk about this is much more fun mm-hmm. to talk about so yeah it was a great yeah. game i loved it mm-hmm. i i enjoyed it too i think those last elimination games are always physical and it's tough being a ref when you're trying to figure out what vibe you want to set for the game and i, I think the first quarter i could tell the rest were sort of struggling with the physicality whether to call it or yeah. not, but it almost, I think they got to a point where it was like, well, if we call everything, <laughs> all the dudes are going to be, all dudes are going to be on the bench yeah. <laughs> and we got a basketball game to play. Yeah. So the second half was a lot better. was a lot better called other than that. Jimmy Butler play mm-hmm. than I think the first quarter uh, was. Yeah. So I, I was, love when they let awesome. him play, man. You got to let them play <laughs> a little bit. I don't, yeah. Like, you know, no ticky tack stuff, no like little hand hits. Like it, yeah. You know, there was even one where I think like I, I want to say it was like KCP blocked 
one of the Heat players clearly hit his wrist completely, like did not get the ball at all. <laughs> they didn't call anything. Um, and then there was an Aaron Gordon one where he went up to dunk, and I think it's Jimmy Butler clearly fouled him like on his arm, and they didn't call it. And Gordon was like pissed for like a whole play and a half. But I was like, dude, that's just how this is getting called, man. It's going both ways. You yeah. gotta just play chippy. And yeah, that's fun. what's tough. I think that's where that's where sort of like the whole playoff experience comes into account where it's like, yeah, man, you just got to adjust to the vibe and, and the, the the intensity that the refs are calling the game, I guess, yeah. or what intensity they're responding to. Exactly. And yeah, because because you could easily just sulk and ponder yeah. for a few plays <laughs> and then the game gets away from you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to play, yep. play, play how it's getting called. Yep. Yep, yep. Well, anyways, congrats to the Denver Nuggets yep. and the Miami Heat. Hopefully we see them back. But, you know, 23-24 season's already God, right there at our one. doorstep. They barely waited yeah. 12 hours to start talking about this stuff, man. It was ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Bradley Beal might be traded. There's Damian Leonard soft. I'd say soft rumors. I think the Bradley Beal rumors seem to be a little stronger here. Zion Williamson <laughs> apparently meeting with David Griffin oh, today. Brother. What? I don't even know like who leaks this stuff out to Shams and Woj. <laughs> Whether they're doing it just to poke poke at us yeah, and have something off. to talk Someone's about. Someone's getting paid off yeah. to, to give this information, man. Or is it actually like juicy stuff? Like they're meeting. Yes, I'm sure they meet together all the time. They work together. <laughs> right. But was this leaked for a specific reason or was it just to cause a stir? Yeah. I don't know. The Bradley Beal stuff's very interesting because you lose all your leverage. I mean, mm-hmm. not that they had any leverage to begin with because he has that no trade clause. So he can basically choose where he goes. But like, why broadcast that? It just makes you look yeah. bad. Like, Mm-hmm. You, like one it makes you be like oh we don't know what we're doing with our future like we don't know if we're gonna trade bradley beal or not like they have no direction going into the season they've had already two months to think about it they didn't make the playoffs they've had two months to think about where their future lies with bradley beal and this team and they haven't <laughs> made any progress clearly uh is what mm-hmm. it says to me and yeah same thing with the pelicans thing honestly it's like <laughs> If they're literally trying to figure out if they'd trade Zion right now, all because what he slept with a stripper, like, <laughs> uh, oh, come on. Like how many of these guys have slept with a stripper? <laughs> what do you think the percent is of how I, many guys? Have, I don't it's, know. It's, I'm gonna, it's, at I, least, it's at least 50 <laughs> percent. It, it's got to yeah. be, man. And like just the fact that this one leaked because, you know, the one he's happened to sleep with uh, was a little vindictful and wanted to get a stab at him while he posted that picture with his pregnant girlfriend. Yeah. Hey, I mean, where you get drafted matters a little <laughs> it bit. Does. Apparently. It, it does. Yeah, it's very true. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. like, I don't know. Like, come on. We know what James Harden does. We know what he's about. No one's talking about James Harden <laughs> like that. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's what's impacting this story here with Zion and this mysterious meeting he had with David Griffin today, or I mean, there's gotta be some contact conduct involved. Like he, cause David Griffin's going to be like, look, dude, you're young. Like you're, you're putting a bad impression on our team. Like you're <laughs> not on the court helping us. Like we got to know that you're like committed to this franchise and you're not just messing, messing uh, around. That's what I feel like this meeting is about. Yeah. 
Maybe, yeah, that possibly probably is. I just have this vision that they're literally just meeting for lunch like they would any other, maybe once a month or something, and then media was just bored and Shams <laughs> needed to lead on something. Yeah. So he's he's like, Well, I guess I could give you this. Like yeah. they're meeting <laughs> they're today. Meeting. But they usually but they usually meet once a month anyways. But you I guess you can just leave that out of your tweet. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't have to mention that. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Bradley Beal stuff is interesting. The Wizards have always kind of been weird. But the only thing I'll say on that is, uh, like, I think I've said this before, I want a team to just swing for the fences and just go big. And I think the Sacramento Kings just should just do it. Trade Dave on, Davion Mitchell, uh, pair up a few picks. Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, maybe Keon Murray. Get Harrison Barnes. Yeah, Harrison out of Barnes. There. <laughs> Just swing for the fences and go get yourself this sec, this a second potential All Star. Put him on that team because it may never happen again. You know, oh, yeah. you may never have a core like this. This is again. the best shot the Kings have had in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, just even if even when you even when you think about beyond just the core run that they had in the early two thousands. Yeah. Yeah, you've all in the last 30 years, you've only had one good core. Get yourself another <laughs> a second one. Yeah, at least give yourself a uh, shot for like three years, you know? Like if you can get three years of Fox, Sabonis, and Beal, that's solid. That's a good you're, team. You're bringing yeah, in that's the a ticket solid money. team. The beam's staying lit most nights. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, why not? Why not? So don't let the beam die. We need the, the NBA needs <laughs> the, the NBA beam. Needs I loved beam. it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. But like so I yeah. guess that's a question too. Is Beal see that as a desirable enough place that he'd waive his no trade clause? I think so. I think he wants to win. And him with Sabonis and Fox, I don't think they're good enough to beat the Nuggets and win the title. Well, yeah, so that's the but thing. Is like I, if you don't think you're good enough to actually contend for the title, is that like, you know, I don't think Bradley Beal would tr- waive it just to make the second round. Maybe. I guess it would just depend what his choices are. Well, um, the Lakers are on the I'm table. Not... You're picking the Lakers, Lakers over could the be Kings. Interesting. Yeah, Lakers could be interesting. Uh, I'd go to the Lakers if I'm oh, built. Sure. I, I'd like the Lakers. 100%. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just hard to say if there is a team out there that could pair him, that could get him and that be the, the 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 needle mover. I guess maybe the Warriors. Warriors could make a oh, swing man, there. That would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but moving on from there, Pelicans looking to move up in the trade, uh, in the in the NBA draft. I think that's a good move. Get Scoot Henderson, just get another young piece in there because I don't think they've had much luck in free agency. Uh, I don't know if there's really any pl- any moves here to make on the trade market. So I think adding another young piece, I think would be a good move for this franchise. Well, so that's the thing though. Is like, do we think that this is something they can pull off? Because that requires you to either get a good deal with the Hornets mm-hmm. or the Blazers. Um, and does that involve Zion is the big speculation. I don't think it needs to involve. I don't know. I don't think it needs to. But it probably could. You're talking the Blazers. The Blazers are going to ask their Ingram. Oh, ask yeah, Ingram. they would for sure. <laughs> and if I'm the yeah. Pelicans, I'm not ma- I feel like Ingram's probably more untouchable than Zion. I think in many ways, I think so. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Oh, that'd be fun though. You put uh, Ingram with baby Ingram and then Fernie Simons on the same team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, maybe the Blazers get CJ McCollum and Jonas. Uh, <laughs> Stop it. 
Get CJ back never. And, get, and get Jonas. You finally got that center oh you always God. wanted. They Nurkic never Nurkic. quite lived up. Nurkic is better Nurkic. than Valanciunas. He's just not a he's not a defensive big boy the way Jonas is. Like Jonas is gonna get some stops. Oh my stops gosh, dude, that's not the answer. Nurkic. Get McCollum back and give up your top. <laughs> get McCollum three back and get Jonas. That's get so the defensive <laughs> the defensive five you've never had. Unbelievably <laughs> bad trade. Oh my gosh. You give up the chance to draft a potential generational talent and scoot here. <laughs> Bring the just boys to get back. CJ McCollum back. <laughs> <laughs> uh outside of that you got fred van fleet declining his player option no surprise there but i don't know i'm not making moves for fred van fleet i liked fred van fleet but dude's getting older it's not quite shooting the ball as well as he did he's a little undersized six one at six one six foot and uh he just hasn't really been able to hit the core playing 60 games or so the last few years so I don't know if it's worth throwing this guy a $20 million a year contract or oh, anything someone's close gonna to that. Someone's going to give him something like that or bigger. You don't, you think he would decline yeah. his player option if he didn't have a feel that like he was worth <laughs> more than that on the market. Oh, I think he has a feel. I think someone's going to bite that he can oh, maybe yeah. get his, his three point shooting percentage back to what it was two years yeah. ago. I, I mean, uh, the Miami heat could be an interesting option here for Fred. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a good yeah. fit. You know, he gives them that offensive punch. They have a good defense around him. So that can really shore up that part of his game or they won't need to worry too much about that. I, I think it could be a good fit there. Or maybe, yeah, he just ends up taking a big contract from some team that has way too much cap space. They don't know what to do with. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the story, I think the one that, that been, that's been played around a bit is obviously the is the Laker one? Yeah, of course. Uh, the Lakers are also in <laughs> every, need of a, of a point guard. Every decent player is uh, potentially a Laker in free agency. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this one more so because it is the glaring gap in the Lakers is they need a a point a true point guard who can shoot the ball well. And again, Fred VanVleet shot from thirty four percent last year, which is okay. But you know, granted, he is a thirty seven percent career shooter two years ago when they uh, he was he was at almost forty percent. So he can convince you he can get back to that, then then he's worth the money. But this was also back when he was 25 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, and now he's 28 <laughs> and he's playing lesser games every year. So I'm not sure he's he's a better he's be, he's any better. He's better than D'Angelo Russell for the Lakers. If I'm the Lakers, I keep D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. Uh, hangs around a little bit longer. Yeah. Stays healthy a little more. And Russell already proved he he's a great regular season asset, too. I mean, while LeBron mm -hmm. was hurt, him and AD helped carry the team to that uh, play-in spot. So, yeah, I think it's yep. definitely worth uh, keeping him around over Fred. But, uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see where he goes. Yeah. Other bullet points here. NBA draft one week from today. Dang. We'll see. The, the next season will start so soon. It's crazy. Yeah. There's, just the turns NBA around. is such a year-round sport. Like, there's no real off-season anymore. Yep. Countdown to all the nostalgic Tim Duncan. Oh Spurs my gosh. <laughs> playing all summer long dude, on ESPN. Dude, they've been working around the clock to get these highlight reels going. <laughs> oh, I can't. I can't wait to just hear about my least favorite <laughs> core of players just be over talked about and over nonstop. the entire <laughs> season. Every national TV game they're going to get. 
Oh yeah, it's going to be like, Wimbin, tonight we have Victor Wimbin. Remember, is, do you think he's close to Tim Duncan? And it's, it's like, like dude, we talked about that three career. games ago when it's on TNT. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I cannot wait. I'm so excited <laughs> so for that. I'm so excited for how sad you're going to be about that. <laughs> I hated that core of players. Tim Duncan, Ginobili, Parker. Uh, you just Bruce hated how Brown, good they were. Bruce Dia. They were so good. I hated them. They were annoying. They were awful. <laughs> they they continuously beat up on some of my favorite teams. The Steve Nash Suns, the Lake Kobe Lakers, Kobe and Shaq Lakers, Kobe and Pal Gasol Lakers. God, that team was just... <laughs> the Dynasty just, Breakers, man. <laughs> yeah. God, I hated them. Oh. Uh, the John Moran suspension, the suspension still hasn't still come down. I can't heard anything about this. Do you think we'll get something for Friday? <laughs> Friday's got to be the day. Like, the Nuggets just had their parade. Silver's like, okay, now it's officially done celebrating Denver. I gave them their spotlight. Now's the time. I, I just... I just don't understand, like, if you're not going to say it, then why even mention that you're not going to, that you're going to hold back on saying well, it? Like, why not to, just hold had, back? The media's asking endlessly. And so you have to be like, I, I will say it. Like, we have, but, yeah, I don't know. But he knows what he's doing. Like, only he, only knows. he knows. So it's not like, so, so. Like, I feel like the risk of a leak is super small <laughs> and he could easily just def like it was just I think it's just such a he approached it in such a weird way to sort of say that to say that he knows there's a suspension coming and he's already decided the number of games, yeah. but he's not going to say it until <laughs> until it's this a, playoff it's series an announcement is over. of the announcement. It's just the classic yeah. way to do things these days. Um, it's yeah, it's funny. It's almost it's almost like he cut a deal with ESPN or like Skip Bayless or one of these guys where it's like, I'll give you something to, to talk about for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say this. And in return, you give me some cash or something. Yeah. <laughs> some deal like that. I feel like must've been made. Yeah. All uh, right. Well, so let's uh, do a quick prediction. How many games do you think will be suspended for? I mean, I don't, I don't even really know. It feels like sometimes these suspensions are all <laughs> over the place. I mean, Brandon Ingram punched, Chris Paul in the face <laughs> at one point, and he got what six games or something, five games yeah. suspension. That's different Do than a, a weapon, but yeah, obviously it's an yeah. actual physical harm to someone. It's not just brandishing yeah. it. And DeAndre Aiden and John Collins got caught with PEDs. Yeah, that was half a year, and they they basically yeah they lost fifty percent of the season. <laughs> Which I don't know how that's uh, worse, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it sort of just feels like it's kind of all over the place. Last time John Morant, when these stories came out about him punching a kid, <laughs> uh, basketball game, the mall yeah, what stuff. The heck? <laughs> yeah. He got what, what did he get? I think, what did he get? Like 10 games? Did he get suspension? suspended for that? For punching the kid? Oh no, he didn't. He didn't get suspended he didn't get for sus that. He, yeah. He moved away. He just, he was just yeah, away from the it, team. Well, like he didn't, yeah, no, no punishment at all. The only thing he's gotten punished yeah. for was was the first handgun incident. That was eight games, and six of those were already he was already suspended for by the team. So he basically got suspended <laughs> two games. Yeah, it was like his yeah his leave from the team. Um, I don't know. It feels like it's all over the place. I'm gonna go with twenty games. I think that's um, fair. I was yeah. gonna say twenty four games, just to make it like three times the amount of the first punishment. Oh. But yeah, I think yeah. I think somewhere in that twenty to twenty-five range 
that that should be acceptable um mm-hmm. yeah I, I i think everyone would be like okay that makes sense um that seems fair that's pretty harsh you know it makes it so he can't make all nba team or win mvp or win any awards um because of the new cba rule um and yeah you know if, if it was like 15 games i feel like people would be like really that's super soft 15 games is like mm-hmm. not enough or if you gave him half a season people may be like oh okay that's like pretty real although i don't know i think people are kind of wanting this to be like some crazy big suspension they want the like huge headline of like John Moran suspended for five years. You know, like that's what the media wants to hear. So I don't really think there's an upper limit that people would wouldn't accept. I think people would accept a lot, a lot higher than what we're predicting. Yeah. I just don't think it's gonna happen. I think uh from it seems like Adam Silver is willing to go a little soft on these, except when it comes to PEDs, like or unknown drugs yeah. or performance enhancing drugs. Um, so I'm gonna go 20 games, yeah. but Last bullet, Denver opens with the highest Vegas odds to win next season and repeat as NBA champ. I'm not surprised. They look good. They got the core coming back. Yeah. A lot of the other teams that they faced in the the conference and the on, on their run sort of had all these older pieces as part of their core. The Suns, uh, the Lakers, yeah. um, the, heat. the Heat. So... They are the favorite, and I think at this point, I'm not until there's some big moves made this summer. I think it's gonna stay this way for a few for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Final final thoughts. There's an interesting podcast that just came out a few <laughs> days ago. Doc Rivers jumps on the podcast with Bill Simmons, and uh, he had some interesting takes defending himself. You know, he kind of goes about his interesting way of Doc Rivers, very sales like. <laughs> he he sort of compliments the situation says his defensive take and then re-compliments the situation. <laughs> and uh, he had some quotes in there, like, you know, James Harden is a challenge, was a challenging player to coach. Uh, Embiid is missing parts of his game. He's not a great passer. Wow. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he feels like he should get more credit for, for the coaching job he's done. And, uh, you know, he doesn't feel like he, those, the three, one comparisons are fair. And, it, it it is a it is a great listen. Huh. I think um, I I highly recommend to listen to it. I I feel like I came away from it feeling like Doc Rivers needs a break from coaching <laughs> and uh, and uh, he needs to just maybe spend some time readjusting and and seeing what the new NBA NBA is like. And uh, yeah, I it's a it's an interesting listen. So I suggest I rec- I highly recommend it. Yeah, no, I'll have to give that one a listen. I haven't listened to it myself, but yeah, I mean Doc Rivers, first year not being a head coach in the league since 1998. Uh, That's an incredible, incredible. Stat. <laughs> It's been 25 years since Doc Rivers hasn't been a head coach. Greg Popovich is the only other person that's been a head coach longer. Um, in this league for than uh, Doc Rivers has currently. So, I mean, huge shout out to Doc. I mean, to be a head coach in this league for, for 24 years, that is no small feat. You know, he obviously jumped mm-hmm. from team to team, but he wasn't out of a job for, for 25 years at the, the highest level of coaching um, that this sport can offer. So, hey, huge props to him. Maybe we'll see him in some more media stuff. He'll, he'll give some more hot takes on some more podcasts uh, in the, for the time being. Um, but yeah, we'll see if he ever gets back out there as a head coach. 
Yeah, I'd love to see him do commentary at the at on some of these games because I just want to know what exactly he goes about yelling during these <laughs> games that makes his makes his throat sound so awful oh, yeah. at the end of these series. Oh, man. And I don't understand how his voice comes back. Yeah. Like he does this night in and night I out. Would, yeah, I'd be a mute if I was him already. Like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks everybody for for tuning in. You know, we probably take a few weeks of break or maybe break down uh, the NBA draft that's happening next week. But you know, it's the NBA off season, and uh, we'll record podcasts here and there as as big news comes down, and uh, we'll we'll start previews in a few months. And uh, yeah, I think congrats to the Denver Nuggets and congrats to the Miami Heat too, being Eastern Conference champions. No one penciled them in for that, but they got it done. And then the Denver Nuggets got the bigger prize done by winning the title. So great NBA season. Uh, One for the books for sure. Fantastic. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone.